Corinthians chapter number 11, we've been talking about stewardship, stewarding our trials. Last week we talked about Job and the trial that he went through and just worshiping God and finding a place where, where in the middle of everything going crazy, finding that time to just worship the Lord. I want to give you another thought concerning your trials. I'll give you three thoughts here tonight. As we look at this, Paul, the apostle, he went through a pretty rough patch in his life. And Paul is a pretty encouraging person. Paul went through suffering, uh, people weighing against him, a lot of things that took place in his life were pretty terrible, we could look at. But Paul never wavered. Paul never stopped. Paul loved the Lord. Regardless of his circumstances, he never stopped loving God. So I just want to give you some three thoughts concerning Paul's life, his suffering he went through, and how we can apply that to our life. Because as I said last week, and I do believe this, that every one of us will go through a trial in life, something that is difficult, something that is hard, and if we don't approach it the right way, we will allow it to affect our Christian life. We'll allow it to affect who we are as individuals. We'll allow it to affect who we are as Christians. Um, and, and as we approach this, let's look at it together. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, let's all stand if you can. Uh, for, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, just out of respect to the reading the word of God. We'll read a couple verses, and then we'll jump forward and read a couple more. And verse number 24, the Bible says, Of the Jews, this is Paul speaking, what has taken place in his life. Uh, let's read, in we'll go ahead and start in verse number 23. And they ministers of Christ, I speak as a fool, I am more, in, in laborers more, abundant in stripes, above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Five times, so get this now, five times he was beaten across the back, thirty-nine times. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, Thrice I, was, I, suffered, I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among my false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst and fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Paul describes what a terrible events that have taken place in his life. We can look at these verses, and that's terrible. Some terrible things have happened. Look, just stay in 2 Corinthians, jump down to chapter 12 and verse number 7. And Paul says, 
And lest I should be exalted above measure, though the abundance of the revelations there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in mine infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in my reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for every individual that's here tonight. I pray that you'll use me in spite of me. Lord, I pray that you'll give me the words to say, the ability to say it, clear my mind, and, and Lord, just give me clarity of mind to be able to preach what you'd have me to preach tonight. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you. you may be seated. See, Paul says some strong things here in these couple verses here. Number one, we I, just as introduction, we'll get into the sermon outline in just a moment. Just, just a couple thoughts as we're in the introduction. He says some things here, very strong things. Paul, we understand what he's went through. Number one, we see in the introduction, he has something that he calls a thorn in the flesh. Bible says that this uh, thorn in the flesh was a messenger of Satan to buffet him, to, to, uh, lest he should be more exalted above measure. And God told him, he said, he asked God to take it from him. He asked God to take this thorn of the flesh three times. He asked God to take this thorn in the flesh away. And God says, no, my grace is sufficient for this. Now, Bible scholars may have been have speculated over for many years, uh, what is this thorn in the flesh? Scripture does not provide a definitive answer, but there are two schools of thought. Some believe that Paul was referring to the continual persecution throughout his ministry that was stirred up by unbelieving Jews. These men hated the gospel and often drove Paul out of the cities hindering his work. The other school of thought, or the other thought, is this. Others suggest, or others say, and I, I'm, I have the mind thought that this is probably the thing that is true, that Paul was speaking of, and an incurable eye disease that hindered his effectiveness in the ministry. Several passages seem to hint that this is the direction that he was talking about. In Paul's letter to the Galatians, he says, that he mentions an, an infirmity of the flesh, reminding that, reminding them that it had been possible ye had plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. Galatians chapter 4, verse 13 and 15. These are Christians who loved Paul enough that they would have been willing to, at extreme personal sacrifice, to give him healthy eyes. Now, I'm not for sure exactly what the thorn of the flesh was, but those are two main thoughts but Paul says I asked God to take it from me and God says no my grace is sufficient for thee 
Now, just a couple other things, and then we'll jump into the sermon as we look at this. Is we see that, first of all, we see the thorn of the flesh. And the second thing is, look what Paul says in verse number 10 in chapter number 12. He says, what a powerful thought he says. He says, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. I take pleasure in my reproaches. I take pleasure in my necessities. I take pleasure in persecutions. I take pleasure in distresses. For Christ's sake. That's convicting to listen to. Because Paul says, man, I take pleasure and them persecuting me as a Christian. How about you? In a way. I take pleasure in my infirmities. I take pleasure in, in hey, my, my thorn in the flesh, I take pleasure in it. Those persecutions I went through, when they, when they took me and they beat me, and they beat me with rods, and they put me on a ship as a prisoner. I take pleasure in that. For Christ's sake. How? How can he say that about the things that he's experienced? How can he say that about, about the, 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 the trials and the tribulations and the persecutions. Wow. Wow. Man. I don't know. I've been through some hard times. I mean, not all hard times. But I've been through rough experiences in my life. And I don't know in the middle of my experience that I sit here and say, man, I'm taking pleasure in what's going on. But Paul says, I take pleasure because it's for Christ's sake. I want to read you one more verse. Keep your finger in 2 Corinthians because we're coming back. Take your Bibles to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Paul makes a statement. In Acts chapter number 20 and verse number 23, he says, Save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that my bonds and afflictions abide me. But then he says, Verse 24, he says, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of, Christ, of, the, of the gospel of grace of God. He said, He said, Those things that have, are before me, 
the things that are, are persecuting me, those things that weigh against me. He said none of them, not one of them, not one shipwreck, not one time when they were beating me. He said none of those things move me. Not one of them. And neither do I count my life dear unto myself that I might win Christ. Wow. They don't even move me. A verse comes to my mind, 1 Corinthians. Be ye steadfast, unmovable. Huh? Always abounding in the work of the Lord. You know what that word unmovable means? It means that it is impossible to move. It's not even movable. It's not something that you can. And the Bible says, Paul says, be ye steadfast, unmovable. Don't you move. Don't you quit. Don't you give up. Don't you, don't you back down. Don't you, don't you get, you get your arms and fighting ready. He said, you're going to experience some trials. You're going to experience some things way against you. But be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work. Because every one of us has and will experience a trial. Every one of us. But may I be like Paul who says, none of those things move me. I ain't even moving. They didn't even budge me. They didn't even make me question. One time, Paul says, they don't even move. Wow. <clears throat> we looked at Job last week and how he stood firm in the middle of what took place in his life. This week, we're looking at Paul. You know, they said that the reason they wouldn't whip a guy 40 times on the back because they'd kill him. So they'd do it 39 times. Five times that happened to Paul. He was beaten with rods, imprisoned, shipwrecked, for what? For this. For this right here. That's the reason they did that to him. That's the reason they did that to him. Just give you a couple thoughts. And we'll go home. Paul says in 2 Corinthians. You got your Bible still open there. I believe the blessings. The blessings we gain from trials. Are way more than the trial in of itself. And through Paul's testimony of receiving God's grace, we can see that being evident. He says, number one, I believe that the, the, God allows us or God's grace allows us to see particular gifts given to all of us as we go through our trials. But number one is humility. If there was a Christian in the first century that could have bragged about who he was, 
and bragged about his accomplishments, that would have been Paul. A guy who could have been bragging, bragging about all the time that he got to see the third heaven. But Paul didn't run around saying, look at me and look what I've accomplished and look what all that's going on. He said, no, look at the God. Look what he's doing. Humility. Sometimes, sometimes God has to knock us down a notch. Humility may it teach in us that we need to be humble in the sight of God. And you say, you say, what does that mean? How do I get that from this text? The Bible says in verse number nine, and and Jesus or and he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for me, and my strength is made perfect in your weakness. My Paul's weakness was I can't overcome this flesh, uh, this thorn in the flesh. I can't overcome my infirmities. I can't do anything about that, but God's grace is sufficient for me, and he has to be humble enough to go to God for the strength that he needs. See, a lot of times when we experience a trial, when we experience a tough time, well, I'll get through it. I'll go through it my way, and I'll just do it. No, no, no. We need to humble ourselves before God because his grace is sufficient for me, and that's the only way that we can make it through the trial, the temptation, the struggle that we'll go through is with the Lord's help. Paul is also the one that says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And the reason he was able to say that was because he was able to, hey, God's grace was sufficient for him to go through the trial. But it only happened when you're humble to ask God for help. <coughs> How many guys like to ask for directions? Yeah, I, I don't mind asking for directions, right? I go my way. I know what I'm doing, woman. You just be quiet over there. I'll find out where I'm going. <laughs> we're not humble enough to ask our wife how to get to where we're going. Hey, I know where I'm going. You just you just settle down over there. Every man has probably been there at some point. You're lost, aren't you? I am not lost. I know exactly where I am. <laughs> oh, you may not have been there, but every other man in this room has probably been there at, that, at some point. But you got so lost, you had to ask for directions. You had to stop where you're at and say, well, I need help. We don't need to get there in our Christian life that we get so lost and so turned around and so upside down that we got to stop and say, I need your help. Don't wait until you're lost and in the middle of, in the middle of your trial and you say, whoa, wait a minute, where am I at? What am I doing? What's going on? You wait. Don't wait until then. You immediately get God's help and say, I can't go through this alone. There is absolutely... No way I can go through this. I need your help right now. Because God's grace is sufficient for you. But it's only when your strength isn't enough and you humble before God. Because look at that verse. He says, for my, for my strength, which is God speaking, is made perfect in whose weakness? 
in weakness. In whose weakness? Whose weakness is that? That's right, my weakness, your weakness. Only in your weakness is God's strength made perfect. When you understand, you can't do it. I'm not trying to stand up here and try to tell you that I know what exactly. Let me tell you how to go through it. No. I'm telling you to allow the Word of God to do that. And the Word of God teaches us as we go through our trials to humble ourselves. Because then at that point, God's grace is sufficient for you. And His strength is made perfect. So we see number one is humility. Number two is stability. Look in verse number 10. Again, go back to that verse. He says, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities. What does that mean? He wasn't worried about what's going on. How? You say, how can he take pleasure how can he take pleasure in all that was taking place? Because of stability, not because of himself, but because of God. You remember the story of little David? Little David got a couple stones, put it in his pocket, and he looked at King Saul and he said, listen. He said, bud, I'm not going in my strength. I'm going in the strength and the might of God. Because the battle is whose? The Lord's. When all the mess was going on and Goliath was out there wailing and screaming against God, how in the world could a young man stand up in the middle of everybody and say, Everybody, sit down. Is there not a cause. I'm going out there and whooping his tail. That's what he said. But how could he do that? How could he be stable in an unstable environment? Because the battle is the Lord's. And we need to come to a place where we can have stability and go through life where everything doesn't knock us off our rocker and knock us out of church and knock us off the place where we need to be. And that stability only comes from God. How in the world can we go through experiences and trials and temptations and struggles and valleys and all the different things that we experience? How can we do that? It is through the stability of God and trusting that everything will work out the way that God wants it to if we just trust Him. And Paul says, I glory or I have pleasure in my infirmities and the stability of God left Him stable. I have met so many people whose lives are a wreck don't even know where they're going from day to day. Don't even know what's going on. So unstable. And you know where that comes from? Not God. Bible says that for God is not the author of confusion. 
You want stability? The battle's the Lord's. <clears throat> I may wake up tomorrow and have a, a trial that I'll go through. But I need to understand. Trenton needs to understand. The battle is the Lord's. I need to understand that I need to be humble. Because God's grace is sufficient for me. And although we talk about these things, they might not be the easiest things to understand when we're in the middle of it. But Paul, like passions like you and I was, was able to be in the middle of this thing saying God's grace is sufficient and he gives me stability. Because our trust is not in man. Our trust is in God. So we see number one, we see the humility, we see stability, and lastly, and I'm done, and that is the ability. You say, the ability? What do you mean? His ability. His ability. Through our trials, God gives us humility and stability, but we have to use Him and Him alone to have God's strength. Because there is absolutely no way, no way that Paul goes through the trial he did and was in it like he was in it and was okay without some kind of supernatural help. I'm going to tell you this. There is no way that I could go through persecution and stand in the face of the men as they're whipping me and beating me and doing all that to me unless it's with the strength of God that says keep going. Don't happen. There was a young lady, I don't know if you remember, I think it was like uh, 1998, there was a, a school shooting in Columbine High School. I think that was 1998. These two young men went through the school and just started blasting everybody. And they came to the library and there was this young lady underneath the table. They pulled her out from underneath the table and they put a gun to her face and said, do you believe in God? She said, I do. And they killed her. But a young lady, you say, why do you use that illustration? Because how does a young lady who's in high school stand up and say, no, no, no. I believe in God. She doesn't do it because she's strong. She does it because of God. There are men and women who are missionaries today in countries where it is illegal for them to be there. I have a missionary friend of mine who is in Russia. He actually got kicked out of Russia last year. Not only did he get kicked out, but he got blacklisted where he can't go back into the country for at least five years. 
So he came back to America, and he didn't quit. He didn't give up and say, well, I guess I'm just not going back to the missionary field. So he came back to America and said, all right, I'm going to Ukraine, and I'm going to minister to those that speak Russian and try to minister to those that are crossing the border and getting over here. I'm going to minister to those people because he didn't give up. You're not going to stop me from preaching the gospel. The greatest, the, the, the greatest illustration I ever heard was a, young, was a, was a missionary I, I, I saw, and I'm done. I'm going to give this illustration, I'm done. A missionary I saw, he was at uh, pastor school in Hammond, Indiana. I was sitting there in the crowd, and the preacher, and I've told, I may have told this illustration before, but it's just, it moves me every time I think about it. He was a missionary, and the preacher that at the time, he stood up before the, he still stood up in front of the pulpit, and he asked them, they were live streaming the services. And he said, please shut off the live streaming service right now. Can I have this go over the internet? They shut it off. He gives him a couple minutes to shut it off. And then he says, I want to introduce to you a missionary. And he introduces him. He's a, uh, he introduces his name. I, I don't even remember the guy's name. He was from the Middle East. And he was a, a Christian missionary who was wanted in six different countries. And he comes up to the platform Five, 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 three, something like that. Just a little bitty old guy. And stands up there and gives testimony. How he was in Pakistan and Iraq. And all them different countries there where he's where he's wanted for being a Christian. Preaching the gospel. Told stories of how he was in prison. And they beat him. With rods. And they persecuted him. He said one time they were having a Bible study. Because they can't have church. Because it's illegal. They were having a Bible study in, a, in, a, in somebody's house. And they heard they were fixing to raid it. So he said he shimmied. He came down the side of the building and went and hid in the storage drain. He said, for the next eight hours, I laid in that storage drain until they were clear. He said, after they left, he got out of that storage drain. I think he said he'd been arrested like five or six times. I looked at him and I said, God's grace is sufficient. My strength, God's strength, not mine. My, God's strength is made perfect in his weakness. How can he live like that? Afraid from day to day that he would be arrested. Because it wasn't his strength. It was God's. Though my trial may not be like his. But God's trial that God has given me. It's for Trenton. And I need to be humble so that God will give me stability and that God will give me the ability to go through it. Because I can't. Paul said, 
strength may perfect our weakness. May it stir inside of us that we rely on the Lord. We'll end with this. In the last chapter, verse 10, he says, For when I am weak, then I am strong. How is he strong? Not in his own ability, but in the ability of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, I thank you for tonight.